Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. 2025 is the uh, scheduled time for the next federal election. That's if we go by four-year cycles. And uh, there are many who believe that by 2025 we will have had an election. I'm one of those people. I, I wouldn't be surprised, in fact, if we have an election later on this year. The New Democrats really are going to notice. I think polling's going to tell them that this deal they have with the confidence and supply deal they have with the liberals isn't really in their favor. Certainly not working. It seems to be working out for them. And uh, they will want to get out of that as soon as they can, as soon as it makes sense to them. And nobody wants to lose in an election. So we'll see what happens. But polling that's been taking place over the last little while is particularly interesting. How are Canadians seeing the political landscape? And demographically, what are we looking for? What are we expecting? What, uh, what groups of Canadians, demographically, are most interested in the potential for an election? Mario Canseco is the president of Research Company, Research Co., and a polling firm in uh, British Columbia. And uh, he joins us on The Roy Green Show. How are you, Mario? Doing great, Roy. Great to be here with you. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. You and I have been talking about politics and polling for for many years now. So if when you look at what's going on in 2023, is there a parallel, something, uh, was there a year, an election cycle that was similar to this that you can recall? It's really unique, particularly because usually when you have governments uh, that are working with minorities, they're not buttressed by the opposition party. I think we can go back to the early years of the Harper government, the first minority under Justin Trudeau, and point at those moments when you think that an election might happen. The fact that we have this uh, deal between the NDP and the Liberals sort of takes away the air out of the possibility of something happening immediately. But it hasn't really been a boon for the NDP. They're not doing particularly well. And we've seen examples in other jurisdictions where the minor party that buttresses a government ends up losing badly. I mean, we can go back to the example of the Liberal Democrats in the UK. They had 64 seats. They said to the David Cameron left conservatives, we'll work with you. And in the next election, they won less than 10. So you don't get the glory and you get a lot of the pain. Yeah, that, that certainly is the potential for Mr. Singh and the New Democrats. Now, now, Mario, your polling shows that Canadians across the board want a new prime minister, yes? Yes, it does. We've been asking this question every six months. And what's happening now is it's really all about the regionality of the findings. Uh, in Alberta, in Manitoba and Saskatchewan, we've seen Justin Trudeau's unpopularity become pretty evident over the past couple of years. But the one thing that is quite striking at the start of 2023, when people are thinking about inflation and all the expenditures of the holidays, to see majorities of Ontarians and British Columbians who also believe that their province would be doing better with a different prime minister, we know that Ontario is the key to the next election. A difference of two or three points between the Conservatives and the Liberals could actually mean a majority government for Pierre Polier. So very important for the Liberals to try to reconnect with Ontario because the numbers are now looking more like what we see out in Western Canada than what they have in Quebec, where Trudeau remains slightly popular. So if you're looking at Ontario, 416 and 905, are you seeing then gains for the Conservatives at the expense of the Liberals? There is a big possibility of that. And one of the ways in which we know that it's an area that the Conservatives will target heavily is the message related to affordable housing that we see from Pierre Polyev. We didn't see that coming out of Andrew Scheer. We didn't see that coming out of Erin O'Toole. The fact that he's trying to reconnect with those urban areas, talking about transportation, talking about housing, 
This is the number one issue for Canadians aged 18 to 34. So if you have a voter who is growing tired of Justin Trudeau and Pierre Poilievre offers something that is decent and that is actually palatable when it comes to housing, then we could see some of those urban areas full of young voters flocking to the Conservatives. So that's 18 to 34? Yes. So then we look at the next demo, which is 34 to 65. What is that demo saying? It's an important matter right now because this is the group that is very concerned about the economy and jobs. Uh, They're feeling the pinch of inflation. Everything is more expensive. They don't see an end in sight. And the differences in the way this group is looking at the two main party leaders are not that great. It's not as if we have a bunch of people who are saying, I'm not happy with Trudeau, but I don't trust Pierre Polyever. Their numbers are fairly similar in that sense. So if, if he can manage to convince some of those Generation Xers who have different concerns than the younger generation, maybe they have aging parents or they have young children, if he can talk about affordability with this group, then they could go from liberal to conservative. So if you look at the, the situation across the country now, is it then true that it's essentially Atlantic Canada and Quebec where Justin Trudeau is retaining some level of majority popularity, but in the rest of the country, no? No, and it's definitely a big departure from what we saw in the 2015 election. Uh, there's areas where they have been consistently losing votes. In B.C., for instance, that was one of the best elections for the Liberal Party in history, only rivaled by the first through Romania in 1968. This is a province that usually votes conservative, reform, Canadian alliance. They're looking at Pierre Polyever, and they're thinking that this is something that they would like to support. Uh, but the main difference is Quebec. Uh, we don't see the bloc climbing the charts. It's not going to be something that is necessarily coming out of the separatist movement. It's more about whether the conservatives can connect in the way they did under Harper, and that could also be the very detrimental for the Liberals' chances. So um, tell me then, please, Mario, what's the takeaway? So here we are in the first week of February 2023, and there is the potential for an election. I mean, we seem to have them in two-year cycles now. Uh, February 2023, if an election were called today... How would you expect it to turn out? I think it would probably lead to the defeat of the liberal government, uh, conceivably with a minority government headed by Pierre Polyer. Part of what we see now is a loss of empathy in the way in which the government is connecting with Canadians. I think they were very successful in the first early stages. There's a sense from residents of specific provinces that things aren't going that well. And there needs to be a very uh, cohesive message on the part of the federal government to talk about how things could get better. If, it, if this turns into a campaign where you're essentially demonizing the federal conservatives because of the way Pierre Polyever has been behaving in the past, it's not going to go well. We know that those types of campaigns don't work very well when people start to get tired of what the government is offering. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more question for you. How do, the, uh, how do the premiers factor into all of this? Because popularity of premiers seems to be more volatile just generically, from, from my observation, does that factor into where Canadians stand now? So if you, if you don't like your premier, you may not like your prime minister. It's happening in some places. I think one of the issues that we really need to watch in the next six months is what is going to happen after the first minister's conference. Voters over the age of 55 are very concerned about health care. And it's almost as if they're choosing who to be mad at. If they like their premier, they think it's Trudeau's fault for not funding it. If they don't like their premier... Then they say, well, Trudeau can't do anything about it. So the way in which this comes out is going to help not only some specific premiers, but also the federal government to try to make sense of things. And right now it could be very detrimental. This is a group that was very happy with the COVID-19 pandemic management. And now they're saying to their premiers and their prime minister, 
thank you, but we need to work on the healthcare system because the log, it, it's very complicated. We have a lot of backlog and I'm desperate to get that surgery I need. And you keep telling me that it's happening later. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 